CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Hey, everybody, welcome into this edition of Your Money and Your Life podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in as we talk investing, finance, and retirement with Don Cash, CPA and Certified Financial Planner at Donald W. Cash and Associates. Don, my friend, how you doing this week? Mark, doing well. How are you? Doing pretty good. Hanging in there. What you got going on? How's your summer shaking out thus far? Well, you know, at this time of year, typically we plan our big trip to our place in Sarasota kids finishing up school, heading down there, driving down there. This year, we're kind of stuck in a quandary because (laughs) they have this quarantine going on down there where if you come into the state, you have to register and tell them you're not going to be going out anywhere for two weeks. And even beyond that, the hotels and condominiums in Sarasota are not allowed to rent to anyone in what they call eight hotspot states. And unfortunately, we are on the list. Hmm. Boy. So it kind of uh, is putting us in a holding pattern, at least for the time being. So uh, we might have to just put it off. Uh, I think July 1st is the date that they plan on making changes to this. Oh, so okay. hopefully we'll be able to just defer a couple of weeks and get it going and and get down there for the usual trip. Yeah, the situation has certainly altered so many things, little things that we, you know, probably didn't even foresee coming, you know, six, eight, 10, 12 weeks ago. So a lot of differences and things going on. So hopefully you guys will be able to take advantage of that in July. Well, we were talking off air, Don, you know, about the article I read about Mark Twain and money. And I thought it'd be kind of cool to share with the audience some of these quotes and get your comments on it. You know, these are, what, 150 years old or so. And he had some interesting, much like Yogi Berra and Will Rogers. There's some of these, these characters through history that had some interesting quotes. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk about a few of these. The title was What Mark Twain Can Teach Us About Money. And one of those was apparently there is nothing that cannot happen today. Boy, how apropos is that right now? Yeah, you know what? That's a great quote. And um, it, it reminds me of another quote I heard that I don't know who said this, but they said, it's easier to believe that something that has happened in the past can happen again than to believe that something that has never happened can actually happen. Huh, right? So if you think back to 9-11, if anyone told you that it's possible that the Twin Towers could fall from a terrorist flying a jet plane into the buildings. You know, would you have believed it or or even what we're going through now, right? No, I mean, I guess that is an interesting way of looking at that because, no, until I guess until you experience that, you don't think it can happen. And then, of course, you know, then it's much more plausible to do so. I mean, you think about uh, a few years after, after 9-11, George Bush gave the speech about a book he read on the Spanish flu, oddly enough, of 1918. And he mentioned that we needed to prepare for the possibility of pandemic. And I'm sure at the time there were definitely some commentators that were like, well, what is he talking about, right? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. I saw that speech too, and it, that video has kind of gone viral. But back then, you know, post 9-11, everyone was thinking about terrorism, right? Right. And not about this. And of course, nobody planned for this because it just seems so impossible, like science fiction or something. It just mm-hmm. couldn't happen. That's why we, we need to be sure that our savings are, are structured in such a way that we can tolerate events like 9-11 or a war like Iraq war or 2008 financial crisis. And now we don't know exactly what will happen, of course, 
But when the situations occur, we can at least be disciplined to stay prudent and not overreact emotionally. Sadly, just this week, I, I got a call from a person that was, he was interested in being one of our clients early this year. And he retired from a big company and had over a million dollars in his 401k, but mm-hmm. was uh, the money was almost all in large U.S. stocks. And when we talked about things like risk tolerance and goals and his time horizon, he was really reluctant to follow my advice to diversify and reduce his stock risk and consider downsizing from his large home. You know, he just thought the market would go up and up and he wouldn't need to worry about it. And so he decided just to stay put and do it himself. And of course, I had no idea we'd be facing this pandemic back then. Right. But he called just last week and he said that he wanted to pick up the conversation again. And he panicked at the end of March when the stock market crashed and he sold the stocks in his 401k. So he lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And now the stock market has rebounded. He basically just locked in all of his losses back in March. So big mistake. Uh, Of course, now he's really worried. Um, You know, we just need to appreciate the unpredictable. So we've said this before, the stock market reacts to news, right? The news is unpredictable. So the stock market's unpredictable. They say that there's old saying that hindsight is 2020, right? I've had people say to me 10 years ago, everyone knew the real estate market was going to crash or 20 years ago that those dot-com tech stocks were bound to crater. This is after it happened. Right. It's just, you know, nonsense. Yeah. Hindsight's always that way. I mean, we know people will say, I mean, they're already saying things like, you knew it was going to make its way here, the virus, and was going to cause issues. I guess it's just human nature to kind of point the finger, I suppose, and throw out some sort of hindsight. But if we're talking about these these Mark Twain quotes, I always thought this one was pretty funny. And uh, I'm sure you've, you may have heard this, Don, I'm not sure. But uh, he said, October is one of those particularly dangerous months for speculating in stocks. The others that are dangerous are July, January, September, April, November, May, March, June, December, August, and February. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty great. Basically, every single month, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's classic Mark Twain. It almost sounds like Will Rogers as well, right? Yeah. So th- this is a classic. Let me time the market approach, right? So you know, don't invest in May, and that didn't work out well for someone who avoided the market. May was a great month. Oh yeah. All the evidence shows that you know timing the market just doesn't work. In fact, people tend to do just the opposite of what they should do, right? which is buy low, sell high. They get exuberant and buy high or fearful and sell low, like the guy I mentioned before who called me. Did you ever see that Seinfeld episode, Mark, where George, Jerry's friend, does the opposite and everything starts changing for the better? Yeah, yeah, that was a pretty good one. Yeah, he does the opposite of what he normally would do and his life improves. That's right. Immediately. Yeah. Immediately. And he's honest and straightforward and, you know, he's meeting people and telling them his kind of like dire circumstances and women are dating him. People want to be his friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's a good one. Yeah, it is. Well, when it comes to investing in our emotions, doing the opposite of what your feelings are telling you is really the prudent way to go. And it also makes me think about something else. People always talk, Mark, about 
quote unquote, the stock market. And what they mean is the Dow Jones industrial average, Mm -hmm. right? Or the S&P 500. They're actually dozens and dozens of stock markets and thousands of stocks that don't fall into the Dow Jones or the S&P 500 right here in the United States. But people look for those ticker symbols and the things that show up on Fox Business and CNBC. Well, yeah. And I guess we just tend to do that here, right? We do seem to look at those the news and the different shows, and it says the stock market is down or up to your point. And it really is just those two indices that they're typically referring to. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Exactly. When they say the stock market is, uh, you know, hit uh, 27,000 or 20, that's Dow Jones. Uh, the, that's probably the more commonly looked right. at stock yeah. market than, uh, than this S&P 500. But, you know, that's exactly right. If you were gonna, But if you had to guess what stock market around the world has done the best this year, what would it be? Oh man, there's so many. I wouldn't even have a guess. I'll just I'll just say the Dow. Actually, the Dow is not the best. Okay. <laughs> it's a good guess though. Okay. Actually, I mean, it's yeah, got it's no gotten clue. back up and it's not, you know, down nearly as much as it was. Right. But actually it, around the world, it's Denmark. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. And it's the one stock market for the year as of recently that's actually positive. Huh. So, and if we look at the past 20 years, there's many times when the Dow Jones or the S&P 500 is negative, like uh, the year 2000 through the year 2002. And other U.S. stocks or other markets around the world are positive. Yeah, That's why a balanced portfolio did so well during many turbulent times. I've done reviews with clients and and done illustrations with prospective clients that show that if you have the same quote unquote rate of return over the 20 years of retirement, when you're taking money out of your IRA, let's say it's a 6% rate of return, Mm -hmm. but the range of returns is huge, like a positive 40% some years and negative 40% in some years, you'll actually do much worse than the same 6% rate of return on average if the range of returns is more narrow. So concentration in one stock market or asset class can be incredibly risky. Hmm. Wow, really interesting stuff. Good stuff. I enjoy these conversations. We go through these different things. And it's interesting how just chatting about Mark Twain quotes <laughs> can take us into these into these conversations. But really good stuff, as always, folks. So we hope that you enjoy it. And don't forget, if you do, subscribe to our podcast. We'd certainly appreciate it at Your Money and Your Life. And you can find it at Don's website. And uh, we've talked about IRAs. And we talk a lot about the power of the Roth IRA. It seems that many people don't have a clear picture about that, Don, whether they should contribute to the traditional or the Roth. So let's spend a few minutes and talk about that because we do get questions on that on that from time to time. So maybe you could give us an example of a person who should contribute to a Roth instead of a traditional IRA and then the opposite as well. Do those for us if you would. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Um, you know, there's a lot of confusion continually surrounding the Roth IRAs and traditional IRAs. But first off, a bit of history, Mark. You know how much I like history. Okay. The traditional IRA was established in 1974 during the Nixon administration. And like a 401k, it just allows you to make savings contributions tax deferred. So the benefit is an upfront tax deduction. 
And eventually, uh, now at age 72, you are required to take money out of the IRA or the 401k and pay income taxes on the amount taken out. The Roth IRA was established later. That was in 1997 during the Clinton administration. You know, the Roth IRA was actually named after Senator William Roth of Delaware. So there really was a Roth okay, cool. uh, yeah. of Delaware. He was the senior senator. Who do you think was the junior senator of Delaware at that time? Oh, I have no clue of Delaware. No clue. It is Joe Biden. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, duh, yeah. <laughs> right, running for president. Yeah, yeah, now, exactly. you know, I have fond memories of Delaware because on my last show, I told you that that's, exa- that's where I went to get my haircut. Your haircut, yeah. During the quarantine yep. when they were actually providing legal haircuts in Delaware. So Senator Roth wanted to provide a tax-free option for people for savings after some changes to the IRA rules from 1986. So unlike traditional IRAs, there's no upfront tax deduction, but the benefit grows tax-free for life. Also, unlike traditional IRAs or or 401k, there's no required distribution for the owner or spouse at age 72. And as of this year, this is something new, there's no required minimum distribution for the non-eligible designated beneficiary, like a child, for example, for 10 years, starting from the point they inherit the account. So that's a change, and that's a, a big benefit to the Roth IRA. The government likes the Roth IRAs because they get their money now. Think about that. Mm-hmm. There's no upfront tax deduction. So they get their tax revenue now, which they like. And we like the Roth IRA because tax rates are historically low. And with a $25 trillion debt or whatever it is now, Mark, it seems to change constantly. <laughs> right. The tax rates are likely to rise in the future. Okay. So that is a, a kind of a history and a breakdown a little bit of the tax fundamentals. So what's the difference, Don, between a conversion and a contribution? This also seems to be an area where people get confused. They sound similar. Uh, you say Roth conversion, Roth contribution, and people get confused. Yeah, this is an area that's constantly getting mixed up. So think of it this way. A contribution is the money you add to the 401k or the Roth IRA each year. There's also a Roth 401ks uh, in many retirement plans as well. But there are limits to the contributions, right? So for people over age 50, the IRA contribution limit is $7,000. So that would be simply someone writing a check for $7,000 and depositing it into their IRA. The 401k contribution limit is $26,000. This is for people over 50. If you're younger than 50, the contribution limits are lower. But for a 401k contribution limit uh, of of $26,000, these are typically people working for a company and the money's getting deducted regularly from their paycheck. Okay. There are also income limits that disallow people from even making tax-deductible contributions 
to their IRAs. And we can put up a link to that on the details, Mark. It gets complex, so we can go put up a link that goes through those income limits. But just to note, there's no income limit to contribute to a 401k. That's why the 401k balances tend to be larger for younger people. Okay. Yeah. And we'll definitely put some of those links up. So thinking about the differences there with age, who should contribute to the traditional, who should contribute to the Roth? Is it as cut and dried as an age type of thing, or is it really more, much more complex than that? It's definitely a bit more complicated than that. Generally, the high income earner should contribute to the traditional IRA, particularly if they're in the top tax bracket. So they're getting that upfront tax break, that tax deduction. And if they're at a high tax bracket, then they would be paying a much higher tax. The low income earner, however, should definitely contribute to the Roth IRA or 401k particularly if they're young and have modest income, um, the money could grow tax-free for 30 or 40 years. So if a young person contributed, let's say, $6,000 for the first five years after college to a Roth account and then stopped, uh, never made another contribution, let just sit there, let's say 40 years until retirement, they could have over a million dollars in the account tax-free when the tax rates are likely to be much higher. So just think about your kids or grandkids in these scenarios. I know for my own kids, I have two college-age kids with Roth IRAs, and they were set up for that very reason. Their incomes are low. They're not getting really much of any tax break on a traditional IRA, but the Roth IRA they have the benefit of many, many years of compound interest. Yeah. So Mark, and that wasn't Mark Twain, it was um, Einstein yep. that said compound interest was his greatest discovery. It was like the eighth wonder of the world or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And he said, yeah, so the power of compound growth, yeah, it's, that's, you know, that's amazing. Five years after college, uh, you know, doing that. So how does the Roth conversion that we obviously has been a hot topic for a couple of years now, ever since we've gone into these lower tax brackets, how does that work? And we hear so much about this. Give us a little bit of a rundown. Okay. So the Roth conversion is simply moving the traditional IRA funds, which are tax deferred into the Roth IRA, which is tax free. We pay the tax now instead of later. So do we think tax rates are going to be higher now or later? I mean, for the most part, people think they're going to be higher later. There are seven tax brackets now that we're in a historically low tax environment. And where people get confused is thinking that these conversions are an all or nothing proposition. And it's not. We can do a partial conversion pay the tax at the lower tax rates over a period of several years. This is a very powerful, particularly for people under age 72, okay, where they have no RMD, and after they're retired. So let's say between the age of 55 and 72. And this year, I think we spoke about this last time, there's no required minimum distribution for people on their IRAs. So it opens up the door this year for people over 72 to 
do a Roth conversion and not have to worry about that required distribution. So we just cut a video on that recently that I'm going to be sending out to people. And we'll go through some more details on that opportunity for this year. Okay. All right. Well, and maybe we can talk more about the Roth conversions on a later show as well. And don't forget, folks, again, you can go to donaldcash.com and subscribe to the podcast and find a lot more information about that. As always, we do appreciate your time here on the show. And if you have questions or concerns, before you take any action, you should always check with a qualified professional like Don. 800-664-1183 is the number to call to have a conversation. That's 800-664-1183. You can start with a 15-minute Zoom call if you'd like by just reaching out to him and let him know you want to schedule some time. That's certainly a way a lot of people have been doing things. And uh, you can, again, subscribe to us on Apple or Google or Spotify or really whatever platforming app you like to use. And you can find all of those at donaldcash.com. Again, that's donaldcash.com. He's a CPA and a certified financial professional at Donald W. Cash and Associates. And Don, my friend, thanks for your time as always. I appreciate you being here on the show. We'll get those links. We'll put them up on the, uh, the podcast for folks. And I hope you have a great and safe week. You too, Mark. Be safe. Be well. We'll talk to you next time, folks, right here on Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash. And you guys stay safe out there. We'll see you next time. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.